I'm looking at a text. It's a text that came through this morning about two hours and 11 minutes ago from a member of my family. Here's the phrase it says, just got results, negative, smiley face. And obviously when they're given results out on Sunday morning, somebody had a test, a test that would determine some pretty serious physical condition. Uh, and so we waited with some anxiousness for those results, but it reminds us that our lives are but a mist and we can do the right thing for today and trust God for tomorrow. I'm Ed Stetzer and the title of our message today is Do the Right Thing One Day at a Time. And we're gonna look at James chapter four. In James chapter four, it talks about boasting about tomorrow. Let me just read it to you. It says, come now you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. The book of James is, of course, written to Christians, and in being written to Christians, it's writing things that we need to consider and apply to grow in, to really walk out in our lives. It's written to those who are followers of Jesus. If you didn't kind of follow with us through our series, I encourage you to, to do that and remember that we're followers of Jesus. We're saved by grace and through faith, but that faith is not alone, right? That faith produces works that flow out of our relationship with Christ. And in the course of that journey, we will do the right thing and we'll find it doing it one day at a time. Now, the point of this passage is not to avoid planning because we'd have to take whole other parts of the Bible out to say that. The book of Proverbs is filled with really encouraging admonitions to plan. Matter of fact, Jesus gives examples about counting the cost and the examples he give have to do with planning for the future. And, but the example here is kind of an overconfident businessman. And if you, we, back in the day, for those of you who may not know this, there was a time when we used to get on things called airplanes. It was a very, very long time ago. And these airplanes would take us to other places outside of our home city. And I remember that this verse strikes me of a very real conversation that I remember having with a businessman. Oh gosh, I can't remember how long it was. Everything seems 30 years ago in COVID years. But I was sitting next to this businessman and he looked a little, uh, frazzled, a little haggard, a little, I don't know, he was unhappy or something was going on. And I am probably enough of an extrovert that I start conversations with people pretty regularly. And so I asked him, hey, where, you know, I don't know what the normal conversation is on a plane, but mine is, hey, where are you going? You're going out, you're going home. And he said, I'm going home. And he looked even more concerned. And I asked him if he's okay. And he said, well, he said, yes, I'm okay. Everyone says they're okay. And then he told me he just got the results of a biopsy and the only thing that mattered to him right now was that the report was bad. See, the reality is, is the businessman example here can remind us maybe of our own experiences, times in our lives or someone we know who saw just how quickly their lives were amiss. You know, on the front pages, not just the front page, but on pages inside the newspaper as well, the New York Times today are the listed names of almost 100,000 people 
who've died from COVID-19. And so life is a mist and we see the reality of that in that passage, but that's not all we need to know, right? Maybe you go to a funeral and somebody says that it is from but dust that we are made. People made memes about that a few years ago and, and that people just think about that as a funeral, but that's not actually what James is writing about here. He's actually writing about that by knowing our life is a mist, we can do the right thing for today and trust God for tomorrow. So I want us to look at three things today. We'll actually walk through these three things, just one at a time, and get a picture for what's going on here. Do the right thing one day at a time. And it starts with that we own no tomorrow. You don't and I don't have any claim of the certainty of tomorrow, of what will or will not happen. Now let's take a look at the passage. It's James chapter 4, verse 13. It says this, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you would not know what tomorrow would bring. You, 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 what is your life, right? What is your life? You are just a mist, right? You are a mist. And to keep in mind too, this is Israel 2,000 years ago in a desert. A mist doesn't last long here nor there. For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes so here's the reminder, right? So we know that what it means to be a mist means that there's a transient nature to our life. There's a, a lack of certainty to our future. Does that lead us to despair? It doesn't seem to be. That's James's point, not at all. But what's going on here is a reminder that to just plan our lives as if God is not at work, as if we're not a mist, is really, in a sense, practical atheism. It's living as if God is not real, if God does not have a part, a plan, a uh, place in our lives for the planning that's there. And we are a society really built on the ideas of tomorrow. Matter of fact, right now, in the midst of this great economic collapse we're experiencing, it largely has to do with the fact that people are losing their jobs. They're uncertain about tomorrow. People are not sure about what the future holds, right? I mean, everything we based on, you get a mortgage, it's based on that you're going to keep this house for some amount of time. We get debt and credit and credit cards. And in doing so, we are kind of assuming that there'll be a time tomorrow that we'll pay them off. The problem is we just don't know if tomorrow will come. Matter of fact, let's look at the businessman, right? Here's what it says, right? It says today or tomorrow, right? So today or tomorrow, sometime, like we're planning, we're presuming on the future, we will go, right? We're going to go somewhere. You remember when we used to go places, right? That We will go to such and such a town. It's just a generic example. It's just a picture of an example. We'll go to such and such a town, spend a year there, trade, and make profit. Now, here's the thing I don't want you to miss. None of these things are bad, Matter of fact, a lot of these things are exhorted in other places in the Bible. They're examples that Jesus uses of good stewardship and business planning and more. But we own no tomorrow. So thus, these kinds of ideas kind of point to us a reality that, again, there's nothing inherently wrong with any of these, but to do so without the sense that our lives belong to God and to make such plans really ignores, don't you miss this, really ignores the remarkably obvious. Here it is. You are a mist, right? So you're a mist, right? We're going to get more to that in just a minute, but you are a mist. And the harm that James is talking about here is not taking God into account. You don't know, you can't know, so don't act like you know. 
Now we see these teachings kind of throughout the pages of scripture, right? In other passages, it speaks about this boasting for tomorrow. Let's take a look at some others. Proverbs chapter 27, verse one, do not boast about tomorrow. You do not know what a day may bring. I don't know if you saw it, but people were posting their last normal picture on social media in the last few days. And, and I scrolled through mine and it's funny, you look at your pictures when we all used to stand near other people. And now it seems so strange to see people not, uh, people not distancing themselves, right? So people were posting that last normal picture. We didn't know, we didn't know what was gonna be like. And so we can't boast about this. Jesus in Matthew 6, 34 puts it this way. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So there's a consistent reminder, a theme throughout the pages of Scripture that you don't know the future. God does. You can rely on him, but you can't be certain of your own. Doesn't mean we don't plan for the future. There was a guy who visited our church once. He, uh, he became famous for other things, but here's what he said. He said, the best thing about the future is that it only comes one day at a time. His name was Abraham Lincoln. And Abraham Lincoln, of course, I'm, you know, I, I tried to verify the source of that quote because there's so many Abraham Lincoln quotes. There's a quote, matter of fact, let me give you a quote from Abraham Lincoln. Don't believe all those quotes attributed to me on the internet. So you never know with an Abraham Lincoln quote, but I like the idea, right? Matter of fact, let me tell you a story related to our church as well. If you've been around a long time here, you remember that before the uh, renovation under Pastor Lutzer when we redid so much of the, uh, of the fellowship hall, the meeting space, there was a, a room, a hall called Harper Hall. And Harper Hall is about a man, was named after a man named John Harper. Um, Mark Dever tells the story in his book, The Gospel and Personal Evangelism, referring to actually another source, but uh, he had actually been invited to come to Moody Church to preach. He'd already preached once, and he was returning to a series of renewed engagements. And he was Scottish and he boarded the ship uh, and went from Southampton, England to the voyage to America. And he was coming back to return. There's actually some sources that say he was coming back to, to be a pastor here. Uh, probably I asked Michael Pitts, who's my authority on all things uh, history of Moody. And he says that may be the urban legend part, but he got on this boat and came over to here to plan what would be a series of meetings, maybe longer, we don't know. Uh, now he get on this, now the rest of the story we know from primarily two sources. Uh, one is from his only child, Nana, who was six at the time. And she died in 1986 at the age of 80. Uh, she remembers being awakened by her father a few nights into their journey when he said they woke her up to tell her that their ship had hit an iceberg and that another ship was soon there to rescue them, but he was gonna put her in a lifeboat with an older cousin who had accompanied them. His wife had actually died a few years earlier. And uh, as for Harper, he said he's gonna wait for the other ship and Nana and her cousin were saved. Now, uh, the other source for this information is actually from an unidentified Scotsman who uh, was actually there as well. Here's his account. It says, that goes on in a prayer meeting in Hamilton, Ontario, some months or years uh, after the sinking of this boat. The young Scotsman stood up in, in tears and told the story of how he became a Christian, how he was converted. He said that night, the Titanic struck an iceberg and he clung to a piece of floating debris and 
Suddenly, he says, a wave brought a man near, John Harper. He too was holding on to a piece of wreckage. He called out to the man, man, are you saved? Now, probably 100 plus years ago, that would be language that would be more commonly known than maybe today. We might have to explain more of what that means. But he said, no, I am not, I replied, the man would later say. He shouted back, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The waves brought Harper away and then he came back and eventually he trusted Christ. And here's what he said, then losing his hold on the wood, Harper on his way to Moody Church sank. And there, alone in the night, with two miles of water under me, quoting him, I trusted Christ as my Savior. I am John Harper's last convert. Now, here's the deal. We don't know, and the Titanic is not going to be in any of our story in all likelihood. We don't know, but when we live our lives in such a way with the assumption that we should walk in God's goodness and under God's direction in this day, then the day we're in, right, we take that day one day at a time under the lordship of Christ with the assumption that he's got the future. So if John Harper had made it here and preached at the Moody Church, then God would have used him in powerful ways, but because of his availability, God used him in powerful ways right there as well. And so it is with us. So it is with today and with tomorrow that we don't own, only God owns the future. We own no tomorrow. So number one, we own no tomorrow, but number two, we do steward today. We're going to steward today. In other words, we're going to be good stewards of this day. We're going to manage this day well. Here's what it says as we continue on in James chapter 4 verse 13. It says, what is your life? For you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Now I know nobody likes to think of themselves that way. We'd like to think of some permanence. I'd like to think that that I'll be able to uh, walk my daughters down the aisle one day. I'd like to think that I'll be able to make it to the day when we step into a different kind of ministry in this thing called retirement. I'd like to think that these things are all part of our journey. We don't know, but the reminder here is, is that we are but a mist. Don't miss that, right? Know your life is but a mist, so do the right thing for today and trust God for tomorrow. Now, again, if we focus too much on the future, it actually becomes, in a sense, debilitating for today. Not that we don't focus on the future. Please don't take one passage that is warning us about not trusting God for the future and turn it into a sense where you're going to walk around saying, I don't care what happens tomorrow. Okay, remember, the Bible is not one verse. It's actually a tight tight together teaching of what it means to live this godly life. Now, your life is actually compared to all kinds of um, brief things in the Bible. Things like um, the width of a hand in Psalm 39.5 or uh, a weaver's web in Isaiah 38, a vapor in James 4.4, right? A shadow in 1 Chronicles, the wind in the book of Job. Life is consistently compared in the Bible to things that don't last forever or even a long time. But sometimes we struggle so we can't get it through our skulls that we aren't promised tomorrow, right? And then knowing that, why, why worry about what's to come, right? Well, why worry about what's to come when we can instead be, be focused ultimately on today and what God's doing now? 
Now again, sometimes, I mean, think about how people wait, right? You know, we, we wait when we're, we're in middle school, we can't wait to be a teenager. We're a teenager, we can't wait to be in college. In college, we can't wait to get to our career, right? We just saw a video of our, some of our graduates here, and we're so thankful for the next stage in their lives, right? Many, like us, we just, our family just intended a, a virtual commencement, and commence, right? What does that mean? It's like the end of your high school or your college, but you're commencing to the next stage, right? That's a good thing. The challenge is, is that that's all we look at is the next and the next and the next. And then eventually we, then we can't wait till this happens or this life stage. And you get the picture, right? So much of our lives are spent waiting for tomorrow. And ultimately we have no tomorrow promised us. Instead, we're called to steward today and mist, right? Your life is like a mist. It's gone. We got to remember, as significant as we are in God's eyes, right, who sees every and counts every hair on our heads, we got to remember, right, we don't want to miss this, right? How ultimately God uh, uses us is in some ways dependent upon how we rely on him in this day, in this moment, right? Because the reality is so many people are trying to rush to what's next, they can't focus on who God is now. Let me say it again so you don't miss it. So many are trying to rush to what's next. They can't focus on who God is now. As the psalmist writes in Psalm 46, verse 10, be still, be still, and know that I am God. You can't be still when you're ready to get on to the next day and the next day and the next day, one day at a time. Be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. There is a connection between you focusing on what God is doing in this day and you knowing who God is forever. Let me say it again. There's a connection between focusing on God, who God is this day and knowing who he is forever. He is exalted. He will be exalted. So we get this picture, right? The point is here is not, oh, you can't plan for the future. The point is here is that, is that ultimately God wants you to rely upon, to trust him in this day and for the future, knowing that your life is amiss. So you do the right thing for today and you trust God for tomorrow. God didn't just create you to do things, right? But also to think a certain way. Right? So when I say do the right thing, it's undergirded by thinking a certain way, and that includes having the right view of God and who he is in this day. Let's take a look at number three. Right? So number one, we've been working through, we own no tomorrow. Right? There's none of us with any certainty who owns tomorrow. We can get texts. We can fall ill. We can be in a car accident. Our whole lives can change by something that is not of our doing. We own no tomorrow. We do steward today. No matter what our circumstances are, we steward it. And thirdly, we trust who holds the future, right? I don't know the future, but I know who holds the future, and that changes everything, right? So here's the, the redirection that James gives. This is in James chapter 4, verse 15. It says, instead, here's your alternative, right? Here's a better way to do this. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Now, again, I, I recognize that sometimes we might find it a little frustrating. Back in the old days, people used to sign letters, right, with the initials DV. I'm going to explain that more later. But there's this, and sometimes people say today, well, you know, I, I, yeah, let's, meet, let's meet later today. Let's meet tomorrow if the Lord wills. And it may seem a little strange, but there's a reason, right? Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. 
as it is you boast in your arrogance. Now you might say, well, wait a second, that didn't sound arrogant. I'm gonna go to such and such a city and make a profit. The arrogance is not in the businessman's plans. The arrogance is in the lack of acknowledgement of God's sovereignty in the businessman's plans, right? So it says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. All right, so boasting, right? in fact, boasting, believe it or not, is uh, not evil if we boast in Christ and his work on our behalf. So again, the issue is not the businessman, even the businessman's planning ahead and maybe even the businessman's confidence. Maybe he's made uh, successful money in other cities and other communities. So, but boasting, whether, you know, humble bragging on social media, taking credit you shouldn't have taken for a business deal is instead the kind of boasting. And I would say that the American illusion of the self-made person is just that, it's an illusion. So we, we live for the Lord in this day. Capture every moment for Christ. Know that your life is but a mist. So do the right thing for today and trust God for tomorrow. Live for the day. Capture these moments for Christ, right? So again, in the old days, people would sign their uh, signature and put at the end uh, D-V, which is Latin for Lord willing, Dio valente. It's Latin for Lord willing. You may see that in old letters. And why? Because they were reminding one another and reminding themselves that ultimately it's up to the Lord whether this or that will happen. Now, let me say that there are ways that you can respond to acknowledging that God has a will, God has a plan, and he may redirect us tomorrow differently than he did today. Uh, first, I can uh, reference it. I can, well, you know, I mean, I could say God's got a plan, right? And that's, in a sense, if the Lord wills, that's saying that. Uh, I can show deference to it. Well, if the Lord um, directs this way or that way, I will yield to it. And I think that's good, too. These are not, like, alternative. These are not bad solutions. I want to make reference to it. I want to show deference to it. But I think the most clear way we can do so, the way that follows the admonition here that James writes to the believers is I can show preference for it. I'm going to search it out. I'm going to live for it, right? I'm going to be the kind of person who seeks out what God has in mind. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So what if in our attitude, not just in do the right thing today, but in our attitude, right? We'd acknowledge our life is just a mist, right? And so we do the right thing for today and trust God for tomorrow. What if we saw the last part of this verse, sought the Lord, but also recognized that he could redirect us? That's James's caution here. His admonition, his exhortation is, is don't be like the businessman who just doesn't take God into account. Again, that's the part that he's speaking against, right? Not taking God into account. But on the other hand, we can trust God for the future and we can even make some plans for the future knowing that God may indeed redirect them. I love the phrase that Carrie Ten Boom says. She says, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Let me say it again so you don't miss it. 
Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God from Corey Ten Boom. By the way, if you don't know who that is, take a moment, Google her life and learn more about her journey. That expression will take on even higher amount of meaning to you. So many Christians wait and pray for God's will um, and that could be okay, but a lot of times God's will is staring them in the faith. It's face and the faith. It's what God has called them to do this day. So the phrase, if God wills, is actually a pretty common New Testament expression, right? I don't know that I've ever told you this before, but now that I'm coming to the end of my um, season here as, my, uh, as the uh, short-term interim pastor at the Moody Church, as I remember Bill Burchie asking me about four years ago if I'd maybe have six months or so to be the interim pastor at the Moody Church, and I said, if the Lord wills, and you know, almost four years later, but uh, I don't know if I ever told you this, I don't know why, just, but one of the things that uh, Donna and I plan to do is in uh, six years and four months from now, we plan to leave the um, place where I serve. I serve at Wheaton College. I lead uh, school there as dean and I lead the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. We plan to leave there and go to Asia. We actually plan to uh, become uh, foreign missionaries, global missionaries, international missionaries to train missionaries to engage the 1040 window. We've actually been uh, planning this for probably 10, 15 years already. And so we have a bit of a clock. Now, here's the thing. Um, we know with certainty that God may have other plans. You say, Ed, you just said don't plan for the future. No, no, no. I said don't presume on God for the future. If the Lord wants to direct us another way. So we, we say, I love the way Paul puts it in Acts chapter 18, verse 21. He's leaving this place called Corinth. He actually uh, is about to go on another journey. And they say to him, would you please stay or come back? And he says to them, I will come back if it is God's will. So we say, we just put this for the Lord. Lord, we would be honored. We would be blessed if we could serve you in kind of that, what, what would be kind of the last quarter of our journey in training global missionaries for the 1040 window. Now, if the Lord redirects, we're good with that, right? So don't want you to miss this, right? When you have the right view of life, Lord, whatever you want to do, we're a vapor, we're a mist. It's up to you. We want to submit ourselves to you this day for the best we can that we know what the future is for you and then ultimately trust you now because we believe the Lord has called us here now for me to have the, the responsibility and the privilege to lead the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center to help train pastors and church leaders through the, the School of Mission, Ministry, and Leadership I lead. So why? Because that's what God's called us to today. We have some inkling what it might be if the Lord wills to do later, right? So remember James 4, 17, right? So this is today. So God says, who us has let us do something now. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. So whatever God's called you to do now, do it. And as you begin to pray about what calls you to do to the future, hold that with the kind of certainty that God directs the future. He can lead you wherever he wants. And Don and I have an inkling of what that might be, but if the Lord wills, we will do that. Now, I want you not to miss this because the totality of this passage points us to an important reality. And that important reality is this James 4:17. let's not miss what it says. Again, it's whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. Some have actually said this is a summary of the entire book of James. So I don't want you to just casually flip past 
verse 17. Again, whoever knows, let's take a look at it on the screen again, right? Here it is, right? Whoever knows the right thing to do, go ahead and go back. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Now remember, James' half-brother is Jesus, right? Jesus the Christ, God the Son, born Jesus the Christ, who uttered these words in Matthew chapter 23 that might remind us of this. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and you have neglected the weightier matters of the law. So Jesus is speaking to those who would follow God who are not doing the things today that God has called them to do. These others you ought to have done. They're giving things for the future, right? But you should be not neglecting the things that God has called us to do now. Righteousness and justice, right? Justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So James 4.17, if indeed it is a helpful summary of the whole book, is basically reminding us, not just though it is that, that you know that your life is but a mist, so do the right thing today and trust God for tomorrow, but also it's a reminder to pursue God today. Look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. It says, brothers, Brothers and sisters, we'd read it today. I do not consider that I have made it my own. Let's look at it closely. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. Right then, this day, right this day, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus, the reminder today is God's call on your life and my life to know that our life is but a mist So do the right thing for today and trust God for tomorrow. Now, let me say, I think that for most of us, that reminder is something that applies right now in ways that maybe we haven't considered, right? There's a depth to this verse, to this passage that we say to the Lord, Lord, I don't want to be like the businessman who doesn't plan for tomorrow. By the way, it doesn't have to be a businessman. Could be all kinds of people. Could be a pastor who doesn't trust God for the future. Could be a missionary who's not open to God, might redirect. Could be someone you think of very spiritual who just has not yielded to the Lord, her or his future. So my invitation to you today as a follower of Jesus is to do just that. To say, Lord, I want to acknowledge my life is a mist. Do the right thing today and trust God for tomorrow. I want to remind you, this is written to Christians. If you're not a Christian, if you're not sure that you're a follower of Jesus, if maybe as you heard the story of John Harper who took his last moments to tell somebody else about Jesus, can I just be that person to tell you that Jesus died on the cross for your sin and in your place? And if you're not walking in certainty that God has both your present and your future and your eternity, I want to invite you to pray with me to receive the gift of eternal life he's given you, to receive by grace and through faith this good news of the gospel. Let me invite you to pray with me. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, and then I'm going to pray with those of us who might be, not because we're better, not because we're worse as individuals, but because our calling here is a little different. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you just, a friend invited you, you just jumped on Facebook Live, and we're thankful that you did. But if you're ready to trust and receive Christ, maybe in the quietness of this moment, you might just pray with me. Just bow your heads and say, if it's the prayer of your heart, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Lord Jesus, I receive the eternal life you have given me. I trust you as my Savior. I believe you as my Lord. I trust and follow you. 
Father, I pray for those who may have just indeed prayed that prayer with me, Lord, that you would now help them to begin this journey, trusting, knowing that their life is but a mist, but doing the right thing for today and trusting God for tomorrow. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, if you're on Facebook or YouTube, we're glad you're there, that's fine. But I really wanna encourage you to go to the Moody Church page and to go to our online church platform because if you do so, we'll actually be able to specifically uh, pray with you and continue this conversation. You can make an indication at the Moody Church page or at our online church platform. Just say, pray with me, and you'll be able to go into a private conversation with one of our volunteers or our staff. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you today to say to the Lord, Lord Jesus, I trust you. I give myself to you. All glory be to Christ for my life. Pray with me if you're a follower of Jesus. Lord, we acknowledge today that our lives are indeed but a mist. So Lord, help us today do the right thing to be faithful, to live out our faith with the kind of deeds and works that James speaks of. But in all of that, to trust God with certainty for tomorrow. For it's in Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen and amen.